At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. As we do another episode of Grassroots Marketing on CannabisRio.com, I think to myself, you know, what states are left on the map in the United States? Of uh, the 50 United States, of uh, the 50 states, I'm trying to ask myself, what states have we not covered yet? In the last six years I've been here doing, or actually five and a half, well, six and a half years now doing Cannabis Radio, and I always think, are there any states we have not covered? I don't think we've covered Maine. I don't think we've had the chance to. But the opportunity presents itself. I'm here, and I'm grateful to going to have on with us to talk about Maine, and the issues going there is the founder and CEO of two businesses in the cannabis space, Casco Bay Hemp and 1780. And also, uh, you're also the one of the founders of the Maine Growers Alliance, an organization formed to ensure the security of small, small to medium-sized craft cannabis can- cultivators in order to bring patients and consumers the highest quality, most affordable products. And joining me with that is Eben Sumner here on Grassroots Marketing. Thanks for being on with us. Yeah, thanks for hey. I appreciate the opportunity to come speak. My pleasure. There's a lot to go and get into, but there, there is some curtain news we need, need to go and talk about that you are very well aware of, and this should be important. Now, before I get into it, we, you know, the understanding of what you do with the Main Growers Alliance, the craft cannabis industry, and trying to protect that industry because of the importance of where it's going to be when it comes to the big corporate large-scale MSOs coming into different areas, and as soon as Maine offers more relief for, and then a federal rollout comes in, then you can see where MSOs are going to come in, and where will craft cannabis be once this all comes into play? The chess game begins. So the Maine Office of Marijuana Policy had, back last January, released a preliminary draft of rule changes to the medical marijuana program. You have one in place, and it will be aligning the program with state law. Some of the changes would have been strict security and surveillance measures. But since this happened, this was about a week ago, the the story was reported that this has been scrapped. But the thing was, this is where the government control board wanted to go with this. They were looking at requiring all registered medical cannabis caregivers, dispensaries, and manufacturing facilities to implement a seed-to-sale product tracking system metric, which is very familiar in other states which is already used in Maine's adult use cannabis program. And the purpose is to keep illicit products out of the legal market, legal products from ending up in the black market. So what was being said in this is that it really was just more about oversight and more about, you know, compliance. And I just feel like it's just more control over what's going on there. And with that said, in the same vein, you actually spoke 
on behalf, talking about how these rules may have been shorter than the last, but it's not short on overreaching or overburdensome regulations, which is what I read when I read this. Talk to me right now about the fact that the control board decided not to go forward with this and what brought this all up. What was the, the real reason about having to go ahead and try to instill the fact that if the industry's already using metric anyway and they're already doing their own self-compliance, why does the government need to intervene? Right. No, and, and you've really hit, hit the nail on the head. I mean, we've had a, a very decent, um, you know, as, as far as public health and safety goes, a very decent rules package uh, since 2018. Um, the the Office of Marijuana Policy focused a, a couple, I'd say a year and a half, two years to roll out um, adult use, which was um, 2020. Um, <clears throat> and I, and I then they, to, thank you for correcting me that. So you do have adult use now in Maine. Yeah, we, um, by, in 2016, we passed uh, via referendum, state referendum. Um, now, however, rollout, it took four real years. Real quickly before we go along, talk to me about where the rollout is now. Has everything been implemented for 2021? Has that actually, are we now in adult use dispensaries are all set up and, and commerce is, is, is a, in full flux? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, we've had commerce for uh, probably 14 months now, okay. roughly. Uh, on the adult use side, um, medical has been around since 1999. Uh, we were the second second in the U.S. Yes. Um, so, so we, to go back to your initial question, the the history we have a very long history with cannabis in the state. Um, I, I like to refer to us as the east the east northeast version of Humboldt County. Uh, you can right <laughs> Emerald Triangle, right? Yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically, we we had this nice package um no no issues really or none none reported um and then uh the office of marijuana policy was created in 2018 so you know we were self-governed for quite a while um they came in with an 82 page uh set of draft rules um basically looked at every single piece of the business from security to you know, track and trace, um, yeah, on and on and on, um, delivery, it, it really, it, very all encompassing. Um, that Can I ask set, a question? What is it yeah. that the government felt like they needed to go ahead and intervene on? What was the overreaching for? If metric was already a proven platform that works you know, most other states, I believe Florida has it the same way. I don't get what the whole deal was about what they were trying, what the intent was. You know, I'm not, really sure either um i think <laughs> about that i mean i mean the, if you if you read their mission statement it's you know to you know it's, it's public health and safety to avoid overreaching overburdensome i mean it's everything that as an industry and a you know a, a patient wants but they, they didn't really adhere to that and what it did was it caused a huge uproar in the community um i mean we had the first set of draft rules two years ago, uh, there was nine hours of, of test public testimony and that's, uh, against, and that's a three minute when, you know, you've got three minutes to speak. So we had nine hours of, of people testifying against that set of rules. So, um, what happened, um, was that kind of got tabled. Um, and then we were able to, uh, as a group push, uh, LD 1242, which is a bill that essentially took the control away from the office of marijuana policy and um, 
brought it back to the legislation. So it's, it's called major sub substantive rule making. Mm -hmm. So now if the office brings a rules package, it has to go in front of committee, just like you're bringing another bill. So that really kind of um, gave us a lot of breathing room and, and a lot more time to explain to, to the legislators, to the committee that, uh, that oversees um, any of this policy and, and kind of get them on board. Um, as, as a medical industry, we felt like we were getting pushed out by the adult use industry. Um, we actually had, uh, you know, the, the state had hired uh, consultants from that industry to help them write policy. And that's, that's the 82 pages that we got. Um, so we, we managed to pass 1242. And luckily, um, now that's rulemaking has gone back to the committee. Um, we are able to start, you know, we, we have a seat at the table at this point. Um, we, we're not just getting pushed around. We can make, you know, we can make suggestions. Um, and, and the second set of draft rules, which is the article that you're just reading from, um, was 60 pages, um, still full of overreaching, um, overburdensome. So same, really the same thing. And uh, again, we squashed, we're able to squash that and um, put us in a really good spot. Um, as far as metric goes, you know, if you look at the medical programs in 14 states, metric has pretty much killed those programs. And adult use has kind of absorbed all that business. Um, we were the first state to block metric in the medical program. Um, we, and, and now basically with this, the, the rules package being um, kind of taking a back seat, we're now looking at statutory language. So we're headed mm -hmm. to try to fix the issue that the, so fix it in law before, you know, creating rules based off of law that doesn't really make sense. Now, so what is it about metric that while it might be somewhat of a standard for other states, uh, what is the uh, the onus why you feel like it's not effective for Maine and the industry there? Yeah. So metric is, you know, it's really, it's, it's a, a compliance package, you know, it's, right. it's created to, to, you know, stop diversion. Um, but, you know, really we're, we're a legal state, you know, so anybody can grow it. Anybody can have it, you know, 21 plus. Right. So is diversion really such a big issue? I, I don't really think so. Um, if and, and it's not to say that we, we're not going to have a system in place for, for the IRS, because that's really, you know, taxes are a huge portion, right? Right. So there, say that there's just not one platform that you have to go and abide by, or that might be also a cost quotient as well. I, I can see where that yeah. comes from. I mean, you want to have options. Well, there's, so there's plant tagging, right? So you need to, an RFID chip for every right. single you know, every single plant, every single stage of the plant. Um, so there's, there's that cost. Um, there's that pollution too. I mean, you're talking about RFIDs that you're throwing away by the thousands. Um, yeah. And then really, if you go to metrics website, they'll show you right on the main page. They're like, Hey, this is what's popular in this state. And this is what's popular in that state. Yeah. So if that doesn't look like data mining and, you know, becoming a marketing platform, I don't know what is, you know, no, I agree. So the, right. Right. So, and, and really that should not, one platform should not be written into legislation that doesn't, you know, that's, that's a monopoly. And um, the other, the way metric works is, if um, say the internet goes down or they have a server issue, like which would happen in California, 
um, metric was down for two weeks. And because that's written into law, these these companies couldn't function for two weeks. Yeah. So, or or legally function for two weeks. So, and a lot of the small businesses we have up here in Maine, we're very rural state. Like that would, you know, two weeks, you're done. That would absolutely crush an industry. And crush you don't want to really say that metric is necessarily, if some other companies or operators want to use it, you just want it to be mandatory. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So By I, all I means. I wouldn't necessarily dispute. I, I, I totally validate you why you say why the reason it shouldn't be mandatory. I agree with that part. There should be where you have a menu of options of, of different compliance, seed to sale tracking platforms. Oh, I've talked about a lot of them here on the program here on Plum Business as well. So I get where you're coming from with that. But you know, one thing that's amazing after all this time you've had medical and adult use in play, the tax rate is, you know, I'm surprised there's not more operators that have just funneled their way over there. I don't know if it's just where the market's just not big enough, but when I look at the tax rates and this is as of 2017, I'm looking at this uh, particular there's a state senator that put a information I found right off a of Google search of the state tax rates, California at 40%. Now, obviously these probably have changed, but Maine was the lowest out of at this point of what was it? About 10 adult use States. Maine had the lowest tax rate. Of yeah. all of them. And I don't know what's the current tax rate now. Can you, if you know that for, um, for adult use, I'm, I think it's 20%. I'm not exactly okay. um, positive, but because uh, I'm more on the, the lower stuff. end among other adult use states. It is, yeah. And I mean, this is, this is just typical like regulation coming, you know, just new regulation. It's, it's always overburdensome. You, if you don't get it right, you're fighting it for 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, you're never going to knock down um, a tax rate. And, and really what's like with Maine, we have, that's just state tax. Like we, we don't have municipality tax yet. Um, and I'm, you know, they're starting to catch on and, and add on another 5.5% oh, in some boy, towns. Yeah. Um, and then now, you know, the inevitable launch of federal, I mean, what, you know, like the more act is, I think somewhere up around 40%. So it, it's going to be, it, it's going to get to a point where, okay, you're taxing, you know, 60% on the dollar. That's, I mean, it's just not a feasible thing. So the, the tax, the, the tax burden is, is definitely a, a scary oh, issue. But, but that Evan, and the government's going to tell you, but look what the money's going to, it's going towards disenfranchised and social equity programs and opportunity zones and helping those that are unfortunate. I mean, listen, I wanted to go to those people, but do I trust the government to actually give the money to those people? No. Right. So I, take the forty percent, <laughs> but you know I know what you're going to do with it. I know what you're doing with it too. Okay, you don't have to play. We're not going to play dumb. We didn't get born yesterday. Come on now. Uh, yeah. I want to also ask because I know that the other period that we haven't even touched on yet is your work in hemp because you have uh, not only do you have seventeen eighty, which is doing medical cannabis, you also have Casco Bay Hemp, and with Casco Bay, you're creating, you're, you're growing hemp products that are being pushed out around the country and around the legal markets around the world. And yeah. when we talk about bills and the government also intervening, the fact is the farm bill and where we're waiting for implementation of that. And there's a story from Bangor Daily News I want to quote from about how the farm bill hopes to take aim at what is called draconian hemp regulations in Maine. What can you tell me about what's going on there when it comes to what's the red tape that you're dealing with? So actually, we're in a pretty good spot in Maine um, right now. And we, um, uh, Shelly Pingree um, 
is she, uh, she's a comes from a, she's a farmer and and she's just released a bill a federal bill uh, to raise uh, THC levels to one from 0.3% to, to 1%. Um, and if that that kicks off, that that's going to be amazing as far as, you know, benefits of the products. Um, so that's, um, that's something that's, we should see hopefully go through the house soon. She's been just, uh, just released that a few weeks ago. That would be a nice so, change from the potency caps of some of these states like they do like Florida. They want to put a potency cap up. I guess it was 0.3% THC. And I think they want to make it less than that or something. Just, it's which crazy. It doesn't make sense. No. Yeah. It's I'm, and, and 0.3 is an arbitrary number anyway. Like, no, I don't think anybody can source where that came from. You know, some guy said, Oh, 0.3, you know, what, where in science is that based? You know, it's, it's um, like Europe has just gone up to, or the EU just, I think is now at 1%. Um, UK is still at 0.2%. So it's all, it's all over the place. Um, but uh, I, you know, hopefully, Hopefully there'd be some equilibrium in the next, you know, five or 10 years around this, but um, it, it's got to be based on science, I think. And we're just not there yet. And for those who want to go read, you mentioned it was uh, Maine's first district democratic representative, Shelley Pingree. And the act is called the hemp and hemp advancement act of 2022. So I like that. She's going with that. I would like to see how far they go with it, but you know, thank you for pointing that out. I'm going to definitely try to keep it on what happens with that. And with that said, you know, otherwise, it's the constant battle with government that kind of works into play. But for the most part, how do you feel about where things are 20 years plus removed from the fact that we've had cannabis legalization in Maine and one of the few northeastern, the the first eastern uh, leaders of the cannabis movement coming into play? Where how do you think things have gone so far and, you know, what what room for growth is left to do? Well, I think, you know, we've, we've, we've done really well over the, the 20 plus years and um, a lot of advocacies happened to push things forward. There's been hiccups along the way, of, of course, um, you know, the latest being the addition of a, a department to oversee everything and then kind of having to get them into check. And I think we're probably close to that now. Um, as far as future, though, um, you know, I'm, I'm working in another group called Seed to Health, which is a um, basically, I guess, like a, uh, well, a think tank accelerator. Here, it's a think tank and accelerator focused on bringing botanical health efficacy to a medical standard through an open source learning health system. Yes, exactly. And to me, that's the next step. And I don't think any state out there is really really doing this yet. I I don't think there's a system for an actual medical program, right? Like medical should be based on efficacy, you know, or or inefficacy for that matter. So, you know, there's getting access to cannabis is one thing, but we need to take that next step and start to say, what does a medical program look like? You know, how do we treat people quickly? How do we manage their treatment? How do we show efficacy or inefficacy? So, we can point people where they need to be based on their issues. Like that, that's really where I want to see Maine. And I think we're in a good position to, to start, start moving in that direction and, you know, and having that conversation and hopefully, you know, hopefully getting that in front of the legislation and, or, or at least opening up legislation. So it's not blocking the ability to show efficacy, you know, it's, it's a lot of baby steps, um, but we're, you know, we've developed some, some good systems and, 
you know, uh, batching and um, inputs from farmers, inputs from medical doctors, um, inputs from the, uh, the user, the patient or consumer. So I really, you know, I think this is, this is definitely the time where, you know, the U.S. really needs to change that narrative on is cannabis, you know, are we, are we still looking at this like we're criminals getting away with something? Or are we actually paying attention to, you know, the, the science that's saying, yeah, people are, you know, leaving stage four cancer because they've gone on a three-month regimen, you know, they, they, it's helping with, you know, on and on, all the stories that, that you hear and read about, yeah. you know, we need to be able to to tie that up and and put a bow on that and say, you know, look, FDA, look, USDA, you know, this is efficacy, this is real, um, and let's start treating it as a medicine. And do you also feel like there should be some kind of a universal code as to how every medical cannabis program should roll out? I, I think at least, at least the ability to adopt any type, any type of rollout, really, really. I mean, each state, it looks like you you sign certain states that will roll out their medical cannabis program and they always kind of just follow what other states, maybe that are adjacent to them or what states that are very pop, very similar in size and population and maybe, you know, density, you know, the land area trying to go off of that. And I feel like where I see where certain states go with their control boards, they set up their control board, they set up their standards, they set up, you know, in terms of compliance, in terms of, and then, but obviously the one thing that always got heard, which is interesting, you make mention about compliance, is that I remember going back to 20, 2016 or 2018, or 2017, I think it was. And I remember talking to people when we would talk to specifically in 2016 to the NCIA's Cannabis Business Summit and talking to the people there that were doing, you know, products when it comes to RFID tagging or checking for yeast, mold, bacteria, infections, things like that, or any kind of that material into any plant and also the idea of that there were always certain states that did not have a level of compliance that did not have a particular level when it came to the medical side in terms of what symptoms are allowed to be treated with cannabis and that some states would kind of just stay below a particular barrier and since government has not implemented anything towards the hemp bill with the hemp bill we're still waiting for full response from the fda whatever happened there but when scott lacotlieb left there he was the one that was in in charge when it happened and ever since then we've not heard anything else oh we'll take you know we'll take a opinion from the public public commentary okay well that's enough public commentary we've already got that now the other thing is internally i would think the seed to health is trying to go and create where we're keeping that bar high for all these other states to follow so that when government comes in they're just going to say okay you're reaching the standard we don't need to do anything else Exactly. And, and if you make that, if you make that popular in the market, you know, that then, then it's fine. Then compliance just kind of falls by the wayside. You know, if, if you're, if your consumers or your patients say, Hey, I want something of this caliber because I know it's been tested for X, Y, Z, you know, I know the process because it's all been vetted by, you know, whether it's seed to health or, or another, uh, another, um, you know, SRO, then that's, then that's, the way it should be. The market should show you that. And then government can go, oh, okay, well, well, that makes sense. You know, they've done their diligence. The market wants that. Then let's just put, you know, safe regulations around that or 
or be below that standard because right. the way seed to health is set up is it is a higher standard than than the regulation. Um, but no, you're right. And they, as far as rolling out, um, I just there's states that want to reinvent the wheel, and then there's states that copy paste and everything in between. And it's really, I don't know, for me the the issue is it's not based around science. You're not really seeing. I don't know, like mold and mildew. I mean, that's, that's not a new thing. That's, that's in food products. You know, it's, it's gotta be in, you know, tested in tobacco products, like all these things, like whether it's edibles, you know, combustibles, um, topicals, we already have agency. Mind you, this is six years ago. This could obviously, we've had a lot of technology, technological disruptions and change that probably have brought us to a different level. But I'm just saying back then that was the discussion was, compliance 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 where we are today i know there's a lot of states that are within the the said companies they're reaching a higher level they're always going to go above the bar because that's because we're still not legalized federally so we want to play nice we want to play good so that they don't take away what we got right now so right. it's things like that I w- i'm curious to find out what happens with seattle i mean excuse me maine when it comes to what will happen with any changes if things keep happening again where a represent a revisiting of if metric can be taken away as just a, as becomes from a mandatory to an alternative option for seed to sell tracking and for compliance because of that's the case i want to see if that becomes a precedent that other states follow the same suit i like to see where that comes from so if anything does come up please come back to us and let us know about that i will absolutely in the meantime, let's go ahead and talk about some of the websites you have. So again, you are founder of the Maine Growers Alliance, and the website there is maingrowersalliance.com, one word. They also own 1780, which uh, medical cannabis line, it's 1780, like the, the, the number, 1780main.com. Then you have the hemp company, Casco Bay Hemp, is C-A-S-C-O Bay Hemp.com. And... Anything else you want to leave us with? Um, I guess uh, to your listeners, um, you know, be loud, um, be an advocate, talk to your representatives, talk to your senators. Um, they need to hear from you. They're not going to know what to do unless they hear from you. And that's what they're, that's what they're there for. So advocate, advocate. <laughs> All right. Evan Sumner with the Maine Growers Alliance, Casco Bay Hemp and 1780 based in Maine. Thanks for joining us and have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. 
As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.